Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Laura Davis. We had a lovely chat about the current political climate in her flat in London. And uh, I mean, she's both insightful and funny. I always enjoy talking to her on this podcast. I've just come back from Australia and man, are my arms tired. No, I... uh, So just before last podcast, I just after last podcast, I went to Australia and I did a week of gigs. And I don't recommend doing that. If you are going to go to Australia, go for a while. A week is not long enough to get over your jet lag. But I did did get to hang out with my dad. I got to do a few uh, different things. I I did Tonightly um, with Tom Ballard, um, which was a, a spot on his television show, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I did a very, uh, one of the old Sydney gigs, one of the old Sydney pub gigs that I used to do occasionally when I lived in Sydney, and that was exactly the same as it always ever was, which was reassuringly familiar. And then I hosted the Mumbrella Awards show, which was a PR awards ceremony, and that was the corporate gig that brought me back to Australia. Um, And that was a really interesting thing. I don't mind corporates, actually. They are... They're an interesting balance because in some ways nobody wants to be there and you have to try and make them have fun. So that was a nice challenge. I spent two hours smiling a lot and I woke up with a like genuinely muscular face soreness from smiling on stage for two hours. Uh, there was about ten minutes of stand-up and then just announcing awards and announcing nominees and so on and so forth. So that was fun, and I did uh, the final edits of the Trilogy podcast with the ABC, which will be coming out in the next few weeks. And then I did uh, Rational Fear, which is a podcast with Dan Illich, which was one of the earliest satirical news uh, things I ever did, actually, back in the day. And then I got back on a plane, and then I came back to London, and I landed on Sunday morning, and then on Sunday afternoon I did the trilogy in London uh, to a really wonderful, warm, kind, generous audience. And I was so, I was so incredibly overwhelmed. It was a very surreal experience um, in part because I had just got off the plane. I wouldn't call myself jet lagged at that point because uh, it was still the same day as landing. I was just tired, but um, I was carried on the wings of the audience's presence in the room and I mean that in that kind of wishy-washy spiritual way everyone was there and I felt like they were there with me and um for me and I was there for them and it was just one of those really beautiful shows just you know I don't know that it was the best show that was ever done but it certainly felt really really nourishing uh which is one of the things I think about when it comes to work when it comes to whether you're happy in your job, I don't think happiness is a very useful metric. It's hard to understand what I, what exactly it is. It can't be infinite glee. But for me, happiness is that kind of sense that even if something is hard, it's got some nutrition in it uh, for you as a human being living in the world. So I am now back in London until uh, the month of Edinburgh, which is the month of August, um, I will keep you up to date with the um, with the launching of the trilogy and with my other projects, which are all moving forward uh, more slowly than I would like them to do. It's the way of the beast, and it's also the nature of the way that I work 
which is uh, being very busy. It means that there are a lot of things on my plate at any given time. So I wish I were one of those people who could kind of go into a cave and work on something for three weeks and come out with it perfect. But I am uh, the kind of person who will fly to Australia for a week and then come back and do a trilogy. But there will be some some previews of Ethos. I'm doing the live bugle next Tuesday with Andy Zaltzman and Andrew, Andrew Maxwell. Um, please email me at alicerfraser at gmail.com if you have any recommendations for guests or subjects or topics. If you are a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com uh, is where to go. I'm Alice Fraser on that or Alice Rebecca Fraser, one of the two. Um, and if you have any requests there or if you want to do a Skype call, that's the place to find me. So far, it's been really lovely just talking to people, answering questions, having a chat. In my mind, it's a little bit like I've just finished a gig and you want to have a chat. Um, so the Patreon subscription is like you just bought a ticket to my show. And then um, it has the bonus benefit of me not being completely exhausted post-show. So... Enough of this rambling. I may still be somewhat um, dazed and confused, but I am also very happy to have have done that, a bunch of things, to to finish really locking down the trilogy podcast, um, I think is a great thing. I had some battles about voice actors and it was all very exciting and dramatic, but you don't need to hear that. What you need to hear is me talking to Laura Davis in her flat in London and I will let you do that now. You're having tea with Alice. Who are you and what have you been drinking? Hello, I'm Laura and I've been drinking uh, a lot of um, water that seems to have a lot of lime scale in it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I've been drinking a lot of uh, dissolved calcium carbonate. Um, in my water, which is unusual to me. So I haven't been making a lot of tea because when I boil the tea, the lime scale is visible. If I just drink the tap water, I can't see it at least. Because it doesn't, yeah, it's one of those super weird... It's very English. It is. It is one of the things about England that... that Yeah, it's sort of cloudy when it comes out. It's, uh, yeah, it's no good at all. Um... What have you been wrestling with of late? I've been wrestling with the idea of how much responsibility women should be expected to take for their own safety. And the the arguments that come through saying our women can wear what they want and no one should murder them when they're walking home as late as they want, as drunk as they want. And I I wanted on the record that I agree with that standpoint. But yes. then there is the entire shade of grey afterwards where that is not a practical solution yet. So where do we stand? Yes, it's, and, that, it's that argument of, well, you should tell men not to... Yeah, I think we should say that. Uh, men, don't be bad, don't rape women. Yes. Don't kill them, all right? But then, of course... <laughs> That I don't know how many of them are listening. Work. So then, what do you do? Mm. I mean, it's I, I. People say it's not analogous to other crimes, but I think it is to a certain extent. In that, you know, nobody should ever uh, stick you up at knife point and demand your wallet. Mm. 
but equally if you are walking late at night. Yeah, I guess what makes it non-analogous to other crimes is is, is the body, body gen- integrity I and think. the gendered target of it, whereas a lot of people get mugged. Well, also I think it is more it's more upsetting. Mm. So if I'm walking down the street and somebody uh, grabs my wallet mm-hmm. because that's that's one that's one thing that people have said that's been you know obviously massive backlash to it was like you know remember it was years and years ago in Australia someone said oh women walking around like uncovered meat oh uh, it was a shake yeah a shake or yeah, yeah it was some, an extremist shake he said that who was lucky he said th- those things in what 2002 <laughs> instead yeah, before, of 2018 instead of uh, so he said that and then there was a sort of an analogy to wa- walking it's wa- like walking around with your wallet hanging out of your back pocket mm-hmm. um, that it's sort of asking for it mm-hmm. so if you were walking around with your wallet hanging out of your back pocket I've done that before and someone came and just yoinked it and bolted and the police came to me and said what were you doing you idiot mm-hmm. I would go that's annoying I was an idiot but if I'm walking late at night in a short skirt and I'm physically assaulted in this deeply traumatic way mm-hmm. and someone goes, what were you doing walking around like that, you idiot? That is, it's going to the motivations hurt me so much m- more and in a completely different way. Yeah, and it also, that thinking relies on the really f- fundamentally assumes that uh, women are attacked out of lust. Yes, yes, that's Which it. is not what it is. Uh, women are attacked out of hatred and uh, control and power and punishment for other women that uh, people assume are all one and the same. Whereas if you yes, are robbed, it is... as an ingredient in that crime is are, not about the yeah. personal desirability of the particular woman in instance. Yes, you are robbed out of lust for your money yeah. or necessity for your money, but you are not sexually assaulted out of lust or necessity, which yes. is... And assuming that is negative, it's a horrible thing to assume of men, is that they have no control over it yes and and that they just want it whereas that is not yeah it does a disservice to men yeah to say that in general that they don't understand the difference between one woman and another woman yes and i've always thought i've always thought of that as one of the weirdest things about that extreme anti-woman stuff when i I get insults online or for positions that I hold, they're always insults about another person. They're always mm. coming from a place where I'm representing something that isn't there. I pulled a man up on it a few weeks ago. I was at a friend's house uh, and a friend of theirs came in, so I did not know this man. And he's going through a, a very bitter, horrible divorce at the moment with child custody issues. So he's not in a in a great place, but he... He made the joke, he, he was talking about Tinder or something and how women didn't want to meet him in the right places or or anything. And, and I said to him, just, you know, 
gently and in a friendly way. I was like, oh, well, you know, they probably don't want to meet you alone in a park in the evenings because they think they're going to end up dead in a ditch. And he went, oh, well, the next woman who dates me is going to end up dead in a ditch to make up for what this last one did to me. And my friends who were friends with him were sort of like, oh, don't say that. They don't know you're not joking. He's like, oh, I'm just joking. I was like, well... And I just, I've just heard that joke so many times that it, it was already easy to unpick. So yeah. I was like, oh, well, well, I'm not shocked at the topic, the, the joke of, oh, you're going to murder a woman. I'm not going, oh, God, who could say that? Because I know exactly who's, who could say that. I've seen them stay on stage thousands of times. Yes. I know. It's a weedy little dickhead in rural <laughs> Australia who says that. I know who that is. But uh, just sort of tried to pull him up on it as firmly and as I could of just saying, well, well, yes, you think you're joking, because, but you think the joke is, oh, I would never murder a woman. But all the subtext of that joke is... All women are the same. One woman's life can be taken in vengeance for another woman's crimes. Yes. And also that a woman's life is not worth that of a man's pride. So she embarrassed you, upset you, broke your heart. So then any other woman will do to serve that price is what that joke fundamentally says that you think that. So even if you're joking that you won't do it, the joke reveals about you that you think all those things. Yes. Because for you to think that is funny, you have to believe those things first to be subverting them when you say, well, but I wouldn't really kill them. Yeah, and there's there's two things that that anecdote brings up for me. The first one is that it's always struck me as such an odd approach because I've always thought of myself... As a woman, second, yes, you know, I'm a person. I'm, I am Alice. Yes, I'm I an mean, individual person. That is so being attributed somebody else's characteristics or sins. Well, it just is weird. And then, secondly, when people go all men, it annoys me for yeah. the same reason because well, it's it. Not every argument can be sorted this simply, but it's that. Like, if I said, oh, my ex-boyfriend broke my heart, so the next guy who agrees to date me, I'm going to kill. Yeah. <laughs> what is... And that that wouldn't be a joke. Nobody would laugh at that. Nobody would go, <laughs> Because to laugh at that, you have to assume that women are all the same and that their lives are worth... Yeah. Uh, ...hurt feelings. Yeah, exactly that. Oh, you, you can't trust women. Yeah, but because people don't fundamentally believe that about women, uh, for, sorry, about men, it is not a joke. No, it isn't a joke, but that's where when it does come to things that people do fundamentally believe about all men, mm. then it troubles me in, in response. So things like, you know, men are whatever, men are monsters, men are... What, what's the thing that people say about men? Oh, I'm so sure. I don't know. <laughs> they yeah, say oh, a lot. Men are pigs, that's the one. Oh, yeah. Men are pigs. Yeah, you know, I don't that like men that. Are, well, I don't because I know plenty of men that are not pigs and I know that... I know plenty of pigs that are not men. Yes, yes. So there's this thing about that I recoil at and I understand the impulse 
which is that a number of <gasps> but men it's lazy it is it's lazy thinking and that's what i don't like about it yeah i think you're allowed to be um to have prejudices about people you're allowed to have sure. sort of a, a, a profiling an initial profiling of somebody mm. who comes towards you and they look like they're whatever the signals that they're presenting with their physicality or their clothes mm-hmm. or whatever you, you can make some presumptions but they need to be immediately rebuttable yes like it, it there's a preferably not or, racially based well preferably not racially based but even then you know you can't help whatever your programming is whatever your previous experiences mm. are whatever you've culturally absorbed i don't even mind that so long as you're not using it as a whip to beat yes. people mm. with if you have that reaction fine but there's this thing in law which i really like which is the rebuttable presumption mm-hmm. i'm going to assume something about you but if the moment you provide me evidence to the contrary i have to dump that yes i'm not i'm not going to dismiss it as an outlier yeah it has to be relevant because otherwise you're just going through the world squishing people into <laughs> definitions that they don't fit. Uh, me? Not me. All right, done. <laughs> Bedtime. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. I've got a bit more time this afternoon. Me? Uh, my family? Not my family. All right. That's it. Everyone else, get out. <laughs> yeah, this was a, it was a nice moment where... You, Normally I would sort of ignore comments like that just thinking, oh, it's not actually worth <laughs> unpicking this for you and it's not my job to unpick it for you and <laughs> just let me eat my bagel. Yeah. But it was one thing where it was sort of set up with they're like, oh, well, you know, sh- she doesn't know you well enough to know you're not joking. I was like, well, I, know I don't know you, but I do know jokes. So... Yes. Just let me explain that one to you. How did you react to that? Just sort of mumbling quiet, sort of like proper, oh, I've never thought of it like that. And you're right. I do think all women are the same and that I could kill them because it would help me feel better. Um, yeah, just someone who's secretly realising that they're capable of murder. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Oh. That's the worst. It's so bad. There's this thing happening in Australia, which is why we've sort of talking about this, where a woman was attacked in Parliament verbally. She was voting against a motion. I like that you had to say verbally because it's still Australian Parliament. Yeah, you know, not a lot of lines. There are not a lot of lines between, but it tends to be verbal attacks. Australian Parliament is great for verbal attacks, and it is a fine historic tradition. Fucking love them. Going back to calling people, you know, sheep stealers and pig farmers and (laughs) which they still are. They are still. Um, So what happened was Sarah Hanson Young, who's a senator for the Greens voted against this motion and the motion was to equip women in Australia with tasers in response to the um, murder of Eurydice Dixon, who, which has kind of uh, been on everybody's mind and it was brought up, this idea that mm. you could give women pepper spray. Yeah, it's legal in Perth. Yes, yes. I bought some when I was in Perth. It was yeah. great. Um, I didn't pepper spray anyone, but I did walk like I had pepper spray, which made me feel very safe. But this is the question, right? Because most of the parliament voted against it, against this motion to um, arm women Mm -hmm. with this defensive weapon. 
And the reason that they gave for defeating the motion was that two reasons, one, uh, both of which I think I have issues with. The first one was that the motion was raised by right-wing senators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And red flag. Red flag. Well, but is it? Like, this is the thing. Because it was raised by right-wing uh, senators, people seem to assume that it was a red flag, <laughs> that there's something unfeminist about it. Yep. And then the second uh, reason that they voted it down was this thing that you mentioned before of women shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to arm women. It will make everyone feel unsafe if we're walking around. And then once the motion was defeated, Senator Lionhelm... Joy of joys. ...shouted at Sarah Hansen Young, well, you're going to stop, have to stop sleeping with men then now, aren't you? Mm. Um, which is weird. Yes. And then she called him on it, went up and said, is that what you said? And he told her to fuck off. Which is unparliamentary language. Yes, it is. And then he went on Sky News and there was a running headline underneath that said, Sarah does sleep with men. The rumours about her are well known in Parliament. <laughs> and, that, and then Sky News had to apologise for running that as an actual like news headline scrolling ticker oh dear yeah it was it was the caption on the footage was oh, that no. the rumors about her uh, you know it's sort of a, along Michaelia Cash's the, the, the rumors the, abound <laughs> the rumors about her which you hadn't heard of until we just started it's spreading them very interesting to see the me too movement picked up as a weapon of I guess it's just sort of distraction tactics mm. of of people who are like, well, I will cast rumours and aspersions and uh, that never used to work before, but la, 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 out I go the window. Yes. Well, this is the, de- this, this is the thing that uh, has always It's becoming a me. smoke bomb. It, it, it is absolutely a smoke bomb. When, when the phrase believe the victim is used to tell you to believe an accuser. Yeah. Because that, that sentence presumes that the person making an accusation is a victim, mm-hmm. which they may well be, but how do you know? Yeah, or just that thing of, well, none of these are crimes. We're, we're trying to stop crimes. We're not, and, you know, gross uh, misapplications of power and influence Essentially, yeah. So you know, if crimes you, and injustices. Yeah, and if you are a powerful senator, you you probably shouldn't be using that power and influences to try to sleep with women who work. See, but on the other hand, but that's still not illegal to do that. It's not illegal to do that, and also it's maybe unprofessional. You should maybe it might be unprofessional, particularly if there's a direct line of, of yeah. power, right? Or if you're trickling money down, yes, or up. Yeah, well, that's, that's very that rarely sort of falls it trickles under up. all kinds of um, uh, corruption. Sort of again, law, law, and grossness are two different things. Yeah. So if there's an actual like corruption of power, then that's a, a real yeah. thing. But also. Power is attractive. Yes. And so where, what, we need to figure out what that line is. On one hand, 
you know, power is an attractive thing in both mm. men and women. I had a crush on a man who ran a donut shop once. Because he had the power yeah, of Yeah, he had all the donuts. But this is the thing. How do you draw that line? If there are women or men who are attracted to people in power, what's the responsibility of those people who are in power regarding yeah. finally getting attention that they might have wanted does all their life? Do it, or does everybody have to go, like, through one of those MRI scans where they show you lots of stimulus <laughs> and see which parts of your brain light up and they're like, right, this person's fine to work in the public sector. They are not attracted to power. But the, I, mean, but the, I mean, that's the real question. No one works in the public sector if they're not attracted to power. But, but, but also, yes, how do you divide that line and how do you go from, like, I don't really like this kind of whatever, ranking people out of ten thing. But say... <laughs> But as a sort of a proxy for general attractiveness, say you've gone through your life as a six and a half, you have <laughs> attracted of the kind of people you think are hot, say people who are three quarters up the scale of your hottest possible Okay, I'm, I'm, look, you are losing <laughs> me, but it's just because it's so gross. Yeah, it is, it, I mean, it, but it is gross. You're making you sense. Gross, gross sense. So, You've only ever been able to get, like, you're like, that woman's the super hot, that woman's the less hot, but now the super hot woman, I've got this power now, and now the super hot woman is making advances to me or seems to be open to my advances in a way where she would have thrown a glass of water in my face before, and Mm. I know this from experience and I know this from whatever. What is your responsibility then? What you just described was the first time Anybody had ever thought about that? <laughs> Nobody has ever gone, oh, what are my responsibilities in this city? You're the first person. Well, I mean, I have thought about this. I mean, this is going to sound super gross, but I was an unattractive teenager. And then I got crazy about exercise and fitness. And when I went to university, I was sort of more within that kind of band of traditional attractiveness and just losing my kind of youthful gawkiness and getting some more confidence, whatever. I went up a few steps in in that kind of whatever that scale is where people will hit on you. Yeah, like in the Princess Diaries. So is that, you know, is that, what's my responsibility there? I remember thinking this at the time because I was like, well, you wouldn't have been attracted to Whoa, me. what responsibilities? But this is the thing. You, this, this, say, uh, let's call him John. John wouldn't have been attracted to me six months ago. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have approached me six months ago. How do I then take that approach? Am I flattered by it? Or do I go, well, you're a shallow dickhead? <laughs> I'm... I mean, what is... Depends. Did you meet John before or are you just assuming <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that well, he would not? Yeah, this is the question. I mean, in some instances, one way, in some instances, the other. Mm. But this is the question is, if you're a woman who suddenly gets hot or if you get breast implants or facial surgery or whatever it happens Those to be... Those things that absolutely help you get hot, by the way. <laughs> you, know, but you know what I mean. I'm just talking about this yeah. kind of... Generally, if you suddenly, you know... You get a really good hat. You get a really good hat. You get a really fucking good hat and then people hit on you who would never have paid attention to you in a million years before. You like, have it's just the fucking now. hat. They only love me for my hat. <laughs> That's what I would think. What I'm saying is do hot women coerce men into having sex with them or other women? I don't, I don't think so. Well, I mean, there's less, less implications for the coercion, certainly, because it's less likely to end up in, you know, a terrible misuse of power. But I'm wondering if it's analogous. Maybe I'm just pulling this out of my ass, but what is your... 
say, if we think of power as something that is both dangerous and attractive, if you suddenly get power, what's your responsibility if people are attracted to you <laughs> because of the power? Because, of course, you want to be attractive. Do you just take their attraction as your due because you worked to get that power? Or do you kind of have to feel really careful about it? I don't. I don't think anyone's thought about this before. Well, they need to think about this now. Like, comedians are a really good example. Comedians are... If I become a very famous comedian... Yes, and people hit on you because you're funny and famous. Yes. What, what is your... Well, part of me feels like, yeah, this is the reason I developed these parts of my personality to make up for the facts. Yeah. <laughs> But it, exactly. So you, it is something that you've worked for. So it's something that you, that if some people find that attractive, then you feel entitled it, to be I attractive it, for that reason. It depends what effect that is having on the other person. If you're, if someone's attracting, attractive to you and they're somehow damaging their career chances or, well, then... Yeah, see, this is where it gets dangerous and, and problematic. But that's, that's so many individual cases, I don't think you and can make a And it's also when it, when it gets gendered, it's more problematic because yeah. for men traditionally, and thank goodness we're like slowly breaking that down, but traditionally men hit on women. Yes. So I've never said yes to anybody who's asked me out. I mean, I Ever. used to, I, I had a standard line for the very rare people who would ask me out after gigs is I don't go out to p with people who have seen, just seen me on stage. If you, if you know me or you, if you think you know me from stage, that's kind of an automatic no. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does preclude the people who are just like, ah, oh, she seems great. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it does. It's, it was a, a blanket rule that, you know... But I've, yeah, I have had enough... But the reason I did that was because there wasn't a power imbalance. Yes. That made me feel uncomfortable. But say, if, so to kind of go back two steps, if you're a man and you're the kind of man who thinks that you have to hit on women mm -hmm. and that, you know, women don't hit on you mm -hmm. normally, so you're, you're used to that as being the standard beginning of any kind of relationship. You hit on mm -hmm. a woman, she says yes or no. That's her option. She says yes or no. And you get more attractive because of this power and you hit on a woman and she's either attracted to you for your power and says yes or she's afraid of you because of your power and mm. says yes. How do you know? Are you obliged to make an effort to find out? Yeah, that is an interesting question. Because we think about it so much in terms of, you know, someone like Louis C.K. wanking into a pot plant with two women sort of <laughs> <laughs> theoretically <laughs> trapped in a, in a room. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Well, I mean, I think the, but more common than that is the kind of the groupie scenario where there's people yeah. hanging out there desperately want to meet you after a you know, they admire what you, I think you're their hero. <laughs> Their heart. What do you do? I think this is maybe oversimplistic, mm. but I think it would fix everything, mm. and it will happen. Well, this is excellent because I'm thinking of doing a segment either on this or on video of. Do you know what would solve all of this? More women in powerful positions, creatively, professionally. 
in politics, in medicine, in everything, so that if this was still happening with the genders reversed, it would become far less of an issue. It would be an issue about power. And one that wasn't about gender. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Because at the moment it's that thing of, well, men have the physical strength and they have all the economic and professional leverage. So it's easier. We need a blind test, essentially. We need a control group. And that would just be, is this happening when women are in positions of power? And I imagine it it does, um, but percentage-wise it's just less common. I... Yeah, and there there is that massive privilege. I uh, asked my partner out, uh, who remained unnamed, but is a comedian, and I asked him out because I knew it would be much... I, I feel like I, w- I was respectful of the fact that we'd had a very nice, like, chat. Mm. We've been talking, we've been having, like, we'd gone out for dinner after gigs a couple of times, had a lovely time. And I was like, oh, I really like him. I'll ask him out because, one, I'm quite impatient, but um, <laughs> also uh, I feel like I was conscious of my privilege in that sense that I could ask him out and he's never going to go around to all our peers and co-workers and say, oh, that fucking creep Laura asked me out. Yeah, when we were just having... I wouldn't do that either if he had and I wasn't interested. There's no way I would ever, you know, unless he asked in a really creepy way or something that was genuinely threatening. But if he had just said what I had said, which was, I think you're cute, Uh, would you like to go out? I would be able to say no. Yes. Happy, professional, don't need to... You know, they haven't done anything wrong. There's no, I'm not yeah. telling it people, and in oh, the he's a creep. I'm reacting incredibly badly to that. Yeah, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, he's a creep. He asked me out. <laughs> That's not, but he doesn't know that. Yeah. So it would have been much, much, and, you know, with the way that we're sort of brought up to process rejection, uh, it's easier in some ways. Sometimes it's very bitter for women to experience uh, being. Rejected because we are taught that our capital and our value relies on how much men want us. So when men don't, we're like, oh, fuck, I've really fucked up something. I need to paint my toenails quick. What have I done? (laughs) Oh, God, new concealer. But there are things that we can buy and there are people we can call. You know, if I had asked him out and he said, no, I could call you and he would be able to say, what an idiot. "Ah, You're great. Never mind. Whereas that it, that function is not, it's not so common for men to sort of be like, yeah, asked her out. And she said no because you can't say that because the shame of it is much greater. So, so I made sure that I asked him out because I knew that the consequences for me were a lot less than if I waited, you know, to do the traditional thing of waiting for him to ask. He's still laying a trail of breadcrumbs. Yeah, like how close do you have to join the dots? <laughs> like I don't. But it's still a gamble and it's still a you know, emotional and professional risk for him to take. So I'm quite happy to... Yeah, I've, I've never said yes to anyone who's asked me out. Um, maybe I would have if I had the the right person or something. But I, I've always had the policy if I would like to date someone or sleep with them or whatever, 
I choose <laughs> to do is to always ask. Uh, my top dating tip is never put any question marks in your message to them or or your spoken message, whichever way you do it, is just to go, I like this about you. This is what I would like. Let me know if that is appealing to you. Goodbye. And then you leave and you don't give them a question mark because then they technically, if they don't ever answer, they didn't need to. You didn't. You didn't ask a question. You're making, you're making a statement yep. about fact, and yep. they can do what they want with that statement. With those facts. Goodbye. Goodbye. I got a message from a guy, um, and I will leave him anonymous, about an event that happened years ago in light of this hashtag Me Too thing. Mm. He messaged me on Facebook saying, hey, been thinking about consent. Recall this event that happened where I was in a car with you in traffic and tried to kiss you. <laughs> And I just wanted to say, you know, I apologise and um, realise that that was not okay and you can say anything you want to me about that now and I'm open to hearing it, which I, I feel was very kind of textbook. Yeah. And also I don't think I have anything to say about it. Yes. Some... A, I had forgotten it until he mentioned it. <laughs> B, it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> C, what do I, what am yes, I supposed to should say? it have to be the worst thing that's ever happened to you for them to still be bad, though? Yes, but I mean, I, I sort of don't know what he wanted from me in that instance. Uh, yeah, he wanted you to say, no, I really wanted to make out with you <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, no, I think all he would have wanted was to go... Oh, I just need to let you know that I do acknowledge that I feel bad about this so that you don't tell other people also that that I feel better that I've let you know that I know that I was wrong. Just, to, you know, I, that sounds like a pretty genuine apology. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I thought it was nice because, you know, he's come to that re- realisation on his own. Mm. Um, most people don't do that. I've I've had two of that kind of apology. No, three of that kind of apology in my life. And it's always struck me as impressive. Most people rewrite narratives so that they had just cause for doing whatever they did Mm. and they were the hero of the narrative and (laughs) you were probably the villain. If they did something really Mm -hmm. terrible to you, you have to be a real villain. Or blame the traffic. (laughs) Yeah, or blame the traffic or whatever it happens to be. So I've had three of those. One was from a guy who sort of stalked me a bit. One was from a, a high school bully and one was from this other person. Yes. And it's always been very impressive to me, but I don't know in each instance, what they are asking for. Hmm. Absolution or forgiveness or whatever it is. Like, I, 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 I don't know really what I'm supposed to do. I mean... Oh, I would like to put to any uh, stalkers who are listening to this that uh, Alice might not know what to do with her stalkers, but I absolutely do. <laughs> uh, I, what is that advice? I think you have to stalk them. <laughs> Uh, and then commit crimes against them. (laughs) Work out how long you think you could go to jail for and then commit a crime within the vicinity of whatever sentence you're comfortable with. That's very Old Testament. Yeah, I think I could go to jail for two years and be okay. Really? Yeah. I'll read a book. (laughs) I've got reading to catch up on. (laughs) It's nice to know where the threshold is. I mean... Yeah, you always you always think, oh, well, you'd use the time to get a qualification or something. No, I just do some stretching. I'm very inflexible. <laughs> <laughs> Probably as much as I need. 
spend two years stretching and come out a limber gymnast. <sighs> yeah, I mean, the legal costs are a nightmare, but rent's expensive in London. So. That's true. Three meals a day, roof over your head. Yeah. All the bullying you can afford. Yeah. Yeah, no. Please don't stalk Alice. Please don't. It's stressful. Um, so this is the thing about this vote in Parliament, about the holding of the tasers or whatever, yeah. equipping women with pepper spray. Because you can walk home, but you're not allowed anything to defend yourself with. Yes. And it, that is an odd thing when there is a size imbalance and there is you know, physical strength <laughs> Issues of, or well, if someone snatches you, that's okay. You just better make sure you don't hurt them. Yes, and women do commit violent crimes, but yes, at course. nowhere near the rates that men commit violent crimes. Hmm. So this is the question of of I find myself kind of on the side of the right wing guy who proposed this solution, hmm. but I'm not sure. I'm, you know, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable on that side. No, equally. I don't see why we should, why that's not a, at least a seriously debated topic. It was voted down by a vast majority, and I don't understand why, other than the, well, we should, you know, we shouldn't be telling, we should be telling men not to do these crimes, yeah. which doesn't seem to stack up. And then also, well, women, the, what kitchen utensils they can take or something. Also, the sort of projection into a future that hasn't yet come to pass where if women have pepper spray and then they are the victim of violent crimes they'll be victim blamed for it yes but that's not that's that that's an imaginary argument with someone that hasn't something that hasn't happened yet yes and i don't see that it would be the case i mean i think i was talking about this with my dad the other day in fact before this whole debate happened of why not have pepper spray under a license, you as a woman or somebody who feels unsafe walking at night, you can get a license for it, you know, some sort mm. of background check, whatever. And then any time you trigger the pepper spray, it sends an alarm to the local police station so that they know that there's some sort of violent confrontation happening. Yes, it looks like that would be technologically difficult, maybe. I know, really, but... GPS stuff is quite easy. Yeah, true. It just sets off a little big beeper or whatever. Yeah, I guess you go and, and you proof of a crime, but it is proof of what you some take sort like of boating flares out with you at night or something. Yeah. They're legal. They're legal. Your boating flares, oh. whistles. But um, I, don't, I don't, I don't understand properly the argument against it. No, that seems to be to so many people so self-evident. Yes, that in, they're like, of course not. This is an outrageous thing, and I'm, I've sort of have been smiling and not saying <laughs> anything, but not really understanding why it's an outrageous proposition. Yes, in terms of siding with a right wing bill, I propose we end this podcast with my favourite question to ask people in the office at Mad as Hell, which is a political uh, sketch show that I write on in Australia. Uh, there's a gentleman in Australia whose name is Andrew Bolt. He is uh, mostly, I would say, a right-wing extremist. Is yeah. that he has an hour show on telly every day? Just every day. It's not. It can't possibly be scripted because you would. I'm. You know. I make television. I know how long it takes to make an hour show. And he's doing it every day by himself. I'm pretty certain it's just him talking to camera for an hour. Yeah. Um, anyway, and ninety percent of it is. He believes nonsense. Uh, it's very incomprehensible, and it is so 
so difficult to get behind <laughs> so much of it you know is some of his uh you know uh, a lot he has a lot to say on the indigenous people of australia he has a lot to say about uh, uh lower socioeconomic groups he has a lot to say about uh, <laughs> nuclear war he has a lot to say about everything but one thing that uh he has always maintained is that climate change is a hoax it's not real uh it is never going to happen so my favorite question is to say uh you get to choose which you can live in the reality where andrew bolt is correct and climate change is not happening it is a hoax it will never happen the world is not cooking itself but for that to be true everything else andrew bolt thinks also has to be true in this reality <laughs> so you get to save the world from a climate disaster where everybody on the world dies but you also have to believe that brown people are all criminals well you don't just have to believe it it has to it has to be true <laughs> yeah everything else he believes you have to say andrew bolt was correct on everything for his thing about i mean wow anyway then some food for thought. Food for thought. Uh, <laughs> Let me know what you would choose because I still don't know. Let Laura know, Laura Davis comic on uh, Twitter. I'm at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for having me.
wait for Elsie to return again. Lolly rifle, lolly rifle.